Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If you turn your car key and hear this, you're the victim of a crime that's sweeping the nation and Southeast Wisconsin is no exception. Plus, right now I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Low inventory and rising rent have some apartment hunters struggling to find a place to live. I'm a great tenant. I have never had a bankruptcy, a eviction, laid on my rent, nothing. It's just not fair that y'all holding us to standards that's impossible. Why it's costing tenants more to keep up their search. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week again by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, July 7th. And we're going to start with a crime that's really spiked over the last two to three years, catalytic converter thefts. For those who don't know what a catalytic converter theft is, or a catalytic converter is, that is, we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail later. But simply put, it's part of your car's exhaust system. And it's not new. These things have been around for 50 years. But Jenna, I know you wanted to do a story that really explains why thefts of these devices are skyrocketing more recently and how it's happening. And your story starts with some surveillance video in a Cudahy alley of a theft taking place. What does that video reveal about this crime? Well, first of all, I have to give credit to producer Pete, who tracked down this surveillance video in the first place. But the thing that really struck me about this theft video is how quickly the crime took place. So the video shows um, a, a Mitsubishi SUV vehicle parked in an alley and a truck pulls up. There are three people in the truck. One is a driver. Two people hop out and you can hear this sawing noise as they look underneath the car. They reach under the car and then they hop back in the car and speed away. And later, the owner of that vehicle discovered their catalytic converter had been stolen. And watching this video, it's pretty evident that's what happened. And we even have two different angles of surveillance video showing this happening. But what struck me most about that video was just how quickly and how well planned it was. It was really a team effort. It was almost like a pit crew at a race. They they got in there quickly, they saw it, and they were back in their vehicle in under a minute. We're getting so many more of these videos because people have the, the home cameras, the surveillance cameras rolling at all times. So the, the motion sensor sees there's a car coming through the alley and we get to see the whole thing. You don't see the underside of the car, so you can't see what's taking place, but it's very clear from the sound and whatnot what's going on. It happens so quickly that even though you have a camera at home, it's not as though it's going to alert you and you're going to get out there and somehow stop this or or call the police and they're going to come and stop this crime in progress. That happens so fast, there's really nothing you can do, right? Well, we mentioned in our story, if you hear that sawing noise, it may already be too late because of how quickly this can take place. If you run outside, you might just see the car 
racing away. And it's not just in this instance, it can happen very quickly. We've seen other videos where it happens in two minutes, a minute and a half. So these, these people who are working together know what they're doing and they, they know how to do it quickly. And the damage is far reaching. We've heard about catalytic converter thefts before, but it seems like the numbers are really going up. And you talked to a number of different police departments about this. What did they have to say? We did. We reached out to probably a dozen police departments asking for their data, and some just started tracking catalytic converter thefts within the last couple of years in response to the numbers they were seeing. So some departments could only tell us theft from a vehicle versus specifically catalytic converter, but usually it's the catalytic converter that was stolen regardless. Um, So in Milwaukee, for example, so far this year, Milwaukee police have 402 thefts of catalytic converters to report. That's an increase of 644% over 2019. So last year, um, just short of 1,200 catalytic converters were reported stolen in the city of Milwaukee. But one thing we found with this story is that it's not just a a city problem. This is happening in communities across Southeast Wisconsin. Brookfield reported 34 catalytic converter thefts to us for last year. Oak Creek had 55, West Bend had 21, New Berlin had 31, even Mount Pleasant had 10, whereas two years ago, Mount Pleasant had zero. Yeah, that really stood out to me because it's a community that this wasn't even on their radar and now they've got 10 of these things so they really have to pay attention. Right, and I think it goes to show It can happen in all sorts of communities. It can happen in downtowns. It can happen in parking lots, uh, store parking lots. It can happen in your driveway at home. So it's good to know what this crime sounds like after it happens, um, what's safe to do after the crime happens to you, and, and any preventative measures you can take. So we try to address some of those things in our report. Now, I know you asked for viewers to let you know about their experiences with catalytic converter theft, and you heard from a lot of people. What did they tell you? We did. We put out an, uh, a form on Facebook saying, hey, if you were a victim of catalytic converter theft, would you fill out this form for Contact 6? And we heard from more than 30 people uh, who had spent you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars making these repairs and in insurance payments and rental car payments. But what stru- stood out to me was that there were a number stolen from high school parking lots. There were a number stolen from stores, from people's homes. So it it was interesting seeing how no one seemed to be immune. And a lot of the vehicles targeted were vehicles that sit higher off the ground. They were SUVs, trucks that are easier to slide underneath. Uh, But, you know, there was, it's just sad to see the impacts, the personal impacts. Some people told me that they didn't even repair it because they couldn't afford to get a new catalytic converter because your car will drive without it. It's just not legal. It's not going to pass an emissions test. And it's actually quite dangerous because those fumes that are being filtered out by your catalytic converter can actually rise into your vehicle. And if you're breathing that, that can actually be quite harmful. Um, And one person we met that we spoke with for the story was an 18 year old named Mackenzie Butch. And I was interested in her story because it happened while she was at school. She was at West Dallas Central High School attending class. She came outside, she turned on her engine, and she heard this really loud sound, kind of like, like a motorcycle. Um, and she had no idea what was going on. She, she's only been driving for a little while. She has her first car, and she didn't know what was going on. She thought maybe she had done something wrong. Um, but, you know, it, it, the idea of targeting high school students really 
is frustrating. You know, they, they're, they're just getting to know these vehicles. They don't know what the problem is or how to respond to it. So I wanted to speak with her for our story just to show, oh my gosh, they're even targeting people at school parking lots. I talked to a teacher who had it happen in an elementary school parking lot. So it seems like it's happening everywhere. We said at the top of this podcast that it's part of your car's exhaust system, but I don't know that a lot of people necessarily know really what a catalytic converter is. And as I said, they've been around for about 50 years. If you go back to the 1960s and early 70s, there were all of these concerns about emissions from vehicles and smog and the impact on the environment. So they came up with this device to, to help deal with that. What is a catalytic converter, Jenna, and what does it do? So a catalytic converter, your vehicle might have one, it might have two. Um, it reduces air pollution by filtering exhaust through a sort of honeycomb within the converter. So we went to Milwaukee Area Technical College. They cut a catalytic converter in half to show us, you know, what that honeycomb looks like. And embedded within it are the metals platinum, rhodium, and palladium and those are apparently precious metals they don't look precious within the catalytic converter but they can be melted down and extracted and sold on the black market and that's where the appeal comes from for these devices um, but you know i i don't want to go into too much detail about how you can remove them although sadly it's it's easy to find online but um they, they're basically an emissions control device and without one your vehicle will not pass emissions tests and these Crimes, the trends show they tend to spike in times of economic difficulty, right? The pandemic was a difficult time for families. You know, the, the, the theft started going back up. So it, it seems like this crime happens more, you know, when our country is struggling and when people might be um, more desperate for money, um, more willing to turn to these kind of methods. Well, and I believe the pandemic coincided with a spike in prices for those very precious metals, so it made them that much more attractive for thieves to steal. And you showed how easy it is, how quickly it can be done. I think about, you know, when it's vehicle theft itself, you can say, well, you know, make sure your car's locked, make sure it's in a well-lit area, you know, maybe have a club that'll, you know, lock the steering wheel if you can. This is on the outside of the car, so... I don't know how much you can do, but what, what can you do to try to prevent someone from taking your catalytic converter? So there are some things you can do, but it's never going to protect you 100%. But if you're going shopping, for example, you can park in a well-lit area with a lot of foot traffic. It makes sense that these thieves would want to target vehicles that aren't as visible to other shoppers or to passing cars. At night, park beneath the light park near the busy street. Um, at home, you could consider getting one of those overhead motion sensor lights or even keeping your light on all the time if you have a vehicle parked outside. But at the end of the day, I mean, there are other things you could have installed, like there are catalytic converter shields available for some vehicles, but they cost, you know, upwards of $300. There are other little things you can try to do, but in, in, it, it, at the end of the day, it really is inevitable. If they want to get it, they can. Um, it just, you, you might be able to do some things that might make your car more unappealing in terms of how, how visible it might be or how long it might take them to get to your catalytic converter. If you have a shield or a bar, you know, installed near the catalytic converter, they might say, oh, that's going to take too long. I'll draw too much attention. It'll be too loud and they'll move on to another vehicle. So I, I would say, you know, just park in a visible area. And, uh, I even talked to one guy who, uh, we're going to feature in another story who said it's happened to him a couple times. He's going to, when he gets his car back from the shop, he's going to put a pile of wood underneath it every night just to say, eh, don't even bother. You're going to have to move all this wood. So that's his new uh, 
his new tactic he's going to try. I'm sure it's frustrating for so many people because we've we've talked about just this, the spike in car thefts themselves. And I, I see people online who are talking about literally removing their lug nuts and wheels at night to try to keep their car. I mean, the efforts you have to go to to try to prevent either your car or some of the more valuable components from being stolen obviously can be frustrating. What should you do, though, if you come out to your car and you hear that sound and you think, uh-oh, my catalytic converter has been stolen, what do you do? Well, I guess one of the most important things is what not to do, and it's don't drive the car. I know it's appealing. Maybe if you have a short distance, maybe if you roll down the windows, you, you, you might be okay, but it, it, you really shouldn't be driving that car because of the fumes that that device is meant to take care of, and now those are going to rise up into your vehicle. So the best thing to do is to not drive your car to call for a tow, and you're going to want to contact the police department for insurance purposes. Um, and you'll want to file that complaint with the uh, police department, even if there's not a whole lot they can do. There's a lot of surveillance video available, but sometimes these thefts are happening in stolen cars, which makes them harder to track. And there are other reasons these converters are hard to track down, which we, uh, we may be exploring in a future story. You'll have to stay tuned. Talk about tough times, and that being uh, one of the reasons for the spike in those thefts. Let's talk about tough times in a whole other area, and that is rising home prices, rising rent prices. You've done stories on these things before, um, but you just recently reported on the impact those two things are having on the apartment market in southeast Wisconsin. What's going on there? Yeah, there's a lot of factors that are making the apartment search process a lot more challenging than it used to be. First of all, low vacancy combined with higher rent uh, is allowing landlords to be more selective with their tenants. And because of the pandemic moratoriums, people are seeing application fees. uh, They're seeing doubled security deposits from landlords who are concerned about the eviction process and that being drawn out. So there's a lot of There's a lot of people looking for apartments and maybe they're not going to get the one they want or maybe it's going to take longer. And we spoke with a woman um, named Michelle who's a single mother of three in Milwaukee. She's been living in the same house for six years, has never missed a rent payment. Her landlord gives her a glowing recommendation. And she said she'd been looking for more than a month and she'd inquired about more than 100 apartments. And she'd spent more than $500 in application fees, which is money she needs for a down payment or a security deposit. And uh, she was getting frustrated because she was even being rejected for apartments that were um, less money than the one she was currently renting. She was being told, well, your income isn't high enough. Uh, landlords were enforcing their income requirements, uh, saying you have to make two to three times more than the rent in your income. And she was saying, but I've always paid this amount. I've paid more and you won't even consider me. And she's finding that as a single mother competing with dual income households, um, landlords were choosing tenants who had a greater income and they felt were more reliable and able to pay their rent. So even though she doesn't have a track record that's problematic or an eviction history, they simply look at her and say, you're riskier to me than a dual income household with you know a greater... Uh, amount of income compared to the rent. Right. And Michelle will say that she's not going to live somewhere that's unsafe for her kids. You could argue she could find a place in certain neighborhoods of Milwaukee where she could get an apartment quickly, but she's not willing to do that because of her kids. I mean, she 
She wants her kids to go to good schools. Her daughter is going through Marquette University right now, so she's helping with that. So she she's applying a lot of places, and she's saying, why can't I live somewhere that's decent? I'm not asking for the, the moon. I'm asking for maybe a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom, and I have three kids. Like she She's just having a really hard time. And the reality is that vacancy rates are really low right now. Um, and they're probably going to remain critically low for the, the near future. So it's really right now a, a landlord's game. They've got a little more, I, I guess, ability to be picky if they want to. But obviously that impacts people like this. You, you talk to the apartment association. What was their advice for someone like her? Well, they said someone in Michelle's case could really try a smaller landlord, more of a mom and pop landlord, saying, well, the larger landlords who have so many units are going to have their rules and their requirements, and they're not going to deviate from them. But if you talk to someone who only has uh, a few units, they may be willing to take into consideration your good history. They might look at you more as a person rather than on paper. So that was their advice to her, was to find someone who was more of a, a mom and pop who would uh, would take more into consideration than what might be on the application form. You have reported throughout the course of the pandemic on the eviction moratorium that was in place for a while. Is there any relationship between what's going on now and, and that? Yes, I think uh, I was told to me by the Apartment Association that, you know, that was a difficult time period for landlords um, and there some are still recovering. And when it comes to doubled security deposits, for example, landlords want that reassurance when they're getting a new tenant that if it has to go through the eviction process, they will have some money to cover rent that may be unpaid because landlords are actually quite unlikely to get money through the eviction process. And uh, they really found that they wanted to cover themselves uh, when it came to um, the possibility of eviction. They also mentioned a program called Eviction Free MKE that's relatively new in Milwaukee. It is a program that provides free legal representation to tenants. And landlords were saying, it has good intentions, but it can drag out the eviction process, which is an extra month or two that a landlord isn't getting their rent. Um, now, the people who advocate for that program, legal aid societies, say it's it's a necessary program. It, it evens the playing field between tenants and landlords and can actually improve communication between the two sides and even expedite resolution by doing that. And that program uh, has increased the number of tenants with representation in court from about 3% to probably 16 to 20%. Uh, but the Apartment Association pointed to that as another reason. And I don't think I ever said what the vacancy rate was. I'll just put that on the record. So the apartment vacancy rate in Milwaukee right now, um, also Waukesha, Ozaki, and Washington counties is about 3.2%. And that's down from 6%. Uh, a couple of years ago, oh, 2017, 6%, which was kind of the peak. Um, and actually among the 50 largest markets in the U.S., Milwaukee has the fifth lowest vacancy rate in the U.S. I know when we talk about unemployment rates, you get into that 3% range, it's virtually considered full employment. So I, I'm wondering in the apartment world, is that considered almost no vacancy? I mean, there's there's very little vacancy out there. Well, you used to um, have lists. Landlords would have long lists of vacant units, and now the lists are very short and they're going very quickly. Um, so it's it's a difficult market, especially if you don't have 
somewhere to go if something goes wrong. There's, there are a lot of resources available for people who are homeless, but not necessarily before that point. So it's, it's kind of challenging if you need to become homeless before you become eligible for some of these resources. But I will tell you, I emailed with Michelle last night and she told me that um, after we spoke with her landlord, her landlord really didn't know about the challenges Michelle was having finding a new place um, because Michelle just, you know, she didn't want to bother her landlord with it. And her landlord did extend her stay at her home. So she has been at her house for an extra month, um, allowing her some more time to find a new place. But her landlord does need to sell that property. So it's not like she's evicting Michelle or finding a new tenant. She's she's selling the property altogether and she does have to do that. Well, we hope that that uh, search, that little, little bit of extra time gives her the ability to find the place she's looking for. I hope so. She's a really nice person and a good mom, and I want good things for her. It is time to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And here to ask us that question once again is Open Records Senior Executive Producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Sorry, I jumped the gun there. I got excited. Hello, hello. Um, okay, today is off the record question. Um, we're talking TV. So here is the scenario. You are sick in bed for three days straight. You can only watch one show the whole time. What are you watching? It can be new. It can be old. It can be whatever. I, I think I have to answer this at this point in time because it depends. Like if you've already gone through a series, you may not watch that series again. But had this happened six months ago, I might have. Um, I, I, How about me, July, July 7, 2022, Brian is sick in bed for three days. What's he watching? Boy, so – so well, this would be unfair to my daughter because we've been trying to watch this together. But um, I really like Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Oh, I love that show. Steve Martin and Martin Short are just—they—they they have always. I mean, go back to Three Amigos. I mean, they have always been such great comedy partners, and they're really good in this. I—I I, I love the show. I like the murder mystery. I like that it's a, about a podcast, even though we're not true crime. Um, it, it's it's kind of cool. So I, I really enjoy that show. Now, the one thing about it is, though, Hulu's doing that thing where they're just releasing them one week at a time, sort of old school. So it's not you can't binge it. So I I would there's only three episodes out right now. So if it if I got sick right now and I was laid up on the couch, I'd watch three episodes and I'd be like, well, I guess I'm rewatching Succession again, um, which, by the way, <laughs> would probably be my next go to because I think I could watch Succession 20 times and not get bored. I love that show. I'm excited because my parents are coming next week and they have the Hulu account. So I can watch yeah. some Only Murders in the Building when they come to visit next week. I don't know about you guys, but for so long when I was doing breaking news, I didn't want to watch anything like heavy or like dark. I, I want stuff that's light when I'm watching TV. And I'm a sucker for like any Jane Austen novel divided into an eight part series <laughs> that's super slow. And it's all plot and no action. That's like, that just makes me so happy. So if you can think of like a Jane Austen book that's been retold, I've watched it probably like twice. Um, so yeah, any sort of like period drama, super slow, would lose anybody else's attention. I am all about it. Were, were you, are you a Downton Abbey person? Oh, I love Downton Abbey. Yeah. 
Definitely. That's on the list. I end up watching some of those things because my wife likes them. She loves period pieces. She loves things. So so Downton Abbey, she really enjoyed. Um, what's the Bridgerton? I would never have myself watched Bridgerton. And my wife actually doesn't like romantic type shows, but I think it's more the period part of it that she likes. So so we, we, we watch some of that. That wouldn't be what I'd go to if I was laid up on the couch, though. Yeah, my husband makes fun of me because I'm always skipping through the action. Like if there's a battle scene, I like skip through it. And then he's like, you're going back to the character development. And I was like, yeah, I just, I'm not interested in this part. Let's get back to the slow character development. <laughs> oh, geez. Smitty. Yeah. Wait, should I guess first? I, w- I want to guess for you. Um, sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide for you if it's going to be like drama series or if it's going to be more comedy. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's, um. Uh, I, I, why can't, why am I, um, Schitt's Creek. Oh, I love that too. Oh, ooh, that is a good one. I was going a little, I, I was kind of skewing a little older. I was thinking like Friends or Seinfeld. Oh, Seinfeld I don't is know, good there's too. just something about those shows that, like, I can just, they're like mindless. Or uh, Will and Grace. Like, they were just really funny. Or How I Met Your Mother. I really liked that series. So you're a sitcom girl. Um, just, yeah. I, my atten- not shockingly, my attention span is about 22 and a half minutes. So um, it's just perfect enough, and it's enough laugh, and it's light. And if I were to fall asleep because I was ill, then I wouldn't miss much, you know, because it's there's not too much plot. Um, I will say back to the period piece stuff. Um, Gino just interviewed some of the, the cast of Mr. Malcolm's List. And I, who have not seen any of those other shows, Bridgerton, Downton Abbey, I watched the trailer for Mr. Malcolm's List, and I am very interested. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do that. But it's very much a period um, piece of See, film. I, so. I have I have this stuff that my wife and I will watch together, and she really likes. She does. She did. Believe it or not, she likes like gangster stuff. We watched uh, what's the the HBO um, Boardwalk Empire, and I loved it. But it was never my style before I met her. She really likes that kind of show. She's gotten me into it. But I'm Jenna, when you talk about needing that light stuff, there are times I go, I just can't watch violence and destruction today. There are times I'm into it, but sometimes I just need Seinfeld. And or, or for yeah. me, stand up comedy. If so, if I was laid up on the couch, she doesn't care so much for stand up comedy. Chances are, I would watch as many stand up comedy specials in a row as I could. I think I've seen uh, John Mulaney comeback kid probably twenty times, <laughs> yes. and it's still funny. I, it's just kind of like an old friend. I, I so I, I do go to that kind of stuff quite a bit. But when I was laid up with COVID in March, I think it was, what I ended up watching was something that the first episode I watched, I didn't like. And I thought, but everyone else is saying it's so great. I'm going to give it a chance. And it was Inventing Anna, which has uh, Julia Garner from Ozark, which I love Ozark and loved her in Ozark. And I thought, I've got to give her a chance. And and I ended up watching it and I really enjoyed Inventing Anna. So that was uh, that actually turned out to be a a, a pretty good she's just such an interesting actress and and um so yeah but but if it really if you came down to it brian you could only pick one like mean, this is it for the whole time i think i'd probably go with seinfeld because i know i could watch every one of those seasons and enjoy every episode and find something funny in each one the other thing I recently binged on was uh love is blind on netflix it is trash television <laughs> but man i couldn't stop could not stop you know what nobody's saying Nobody's saying, I wouldn't watch TV. I would binge open record. Oh, yeah. Ooh. We have enough episodes for certainly three days. More, I think, probably. What do we have? We're on episode two. I, what is this? 220. 
Five, uh, 226, something like that? 227. 227. So 227 of these half hour or more episodes. Divided by. Wow. Well, it depends on how much my open record extends the podcast length, but usually. You, this part of it, Dave, will, will with this part of the podcast added, you could probably be sick for a week. So You're not wrong. Well, all right. That was a good question. I like that one today. That, that, got, that got us chatting for sure. Hey, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, Sarah, thanks again for being on the podcast. Anytime. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, our editor Dave Machuda, and of course Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week.